today on CityCast Denver. Fighting wildfires in Colorado is hard, thankless work, especially for the team of incarcerated people who have been on those front lines for the past 19 years. Governor Polis recently signed a new law to help them get firefighting jobs when they get out of prison, but my guest today says that law doesn't go far enough. Today is Monday, August 16th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. It's been clear for a while that wildfires are part of our new normal here in Colorado. That's why, back in 2002, the state created the State Wildland Inmate Fire Team, or SWIFT program, to train incarcerated people to fight fires. This is really hard work. Not just fighting fires, but digging out tree stumps and doing a lot of difficult labor when it comes to fire mitigation. And according to many graduates, it's rewarding too. But only in an intangible way. Despite there being an increasing need for wildland firefighters, the Colorado Sun recently reported that fewer than 10 of the SWIFT program's 2,500 graduates have gone on to get firefighting jobs after they got out of prison. How's the audio? It's great. It sounds great. Super. Gary Breeze is executive director of Colorado State Fire Chiefs, and I invited him on the show to explain why the SWIFT program has been so successful in some ways and such a failure in others. So, Gary, I have to say, the SWIFT program makes a lot of sense to me. Incarcerated people getting trained in this very difficult and dangerous work that's increasingly in demand. But then I see stats that say no one is hiring them. Can you tell me about the graduates of this program and why they're not being hired? Certainly, they're, they, you know, they're trustees. They're toward the end of their sentence. Uh, they're usually nonviolent uh, crimes and things like that. Um, so, yes, they're looking forward to getting on with their life. Uh, and returning to society. But as we know, uh, coming out of prison, especially at the level of a felony conviction, uh, is a hard stop for many people getting jobs once they leave. And it doesn't matter whether it's a job in the fire service or a job in the regular community. You know, having a felony on your record, on your on your application, if you will, uh, is a dis- automatic disqualifier uh, mm. for many, many employers. The issue that comes up when I talk to fire chiefs about why you're not hiring them is, well, the first one is because we have a rule that prohibits it. And many current chiefs that I've talked to are not willing to go to their jurisdiction and say, we need to change that rule so we can hire prior inmates. The Colorado Sun reported that a new law was signed by Governor Jared Polis that was intended to make it easier for former prison mates who worked on fire crews to get jobs in the industry after they've served their time here in Colorado. So there is some movement in that direction. Can you speak to that? Yeah, there is. And I think his directive was to the Division of Fire Prevention and Control to, in effect, give these SWIFT graduates a higher priority in their hiring. Uh, He's not been able to address the question of a blanket prioritization for SWIFT graduates to to other uh, local jurisdictions and things like that. So it sounds like this new law only affects one division, but not every jurisdiction. What do you think should be done to help out other jurisdictions as well? I think it was the California governor who just recently signed uh, earlier this year a uh, piece of legislation that allows inmates who graduate through their inmate wildfire program to go back and expunge their record on a nonviolent felony. So it, so once they've completed their 
their sentence once they've done the training with their SWIFT teams, which they call them differently, but then, and, and they're, they've proven themselves, they can go back and expunge their, apply to expunge their record. So that's something that Colorado could look to do as well? Uh, yes, that's correct. So from what I understand, because I actually have a younger sister who has gone through Fire Academy, and she's been trying to get a job for several years in firefighting. So I know it's a competitive industry when it comes to employment. Um, what makes a graduate of this program so much less likely to get a job than someone who hasn't been incarcerated and is applying for that same job? It's a systemic challenge because we have the rules about having uh, you know, felony convictions in place for reasons. I think it may be one of those urban legends, if you will, that you can't hire fi- felons because they've got, you know, they, they all want to come in and rob you and stuff like that. That's not true. There's lots of felonies that have nothing to do with, uh, you know, personal contact. It's, it's time to revise that. So there was a separate bill also that the Colorado Sun reported on that was also signed by the governor that allows for state inmates in the wildland fire team to nearly quadruple in size, growing to about 125 people. It should it should actually, in my estimation, be four times that size because that's how big the problem is. In terms of what we need for for firefighters out there working on wildland fires? Well, usually usually the the SWIFT teams have been deployed to do mitigation meaning, you know, undergrowth cutting down, thinning trees and stuff like that, and occasionally on the fire line, on an active fire line. So as the program matures uh, and grows, there's opportunity to grow their responsibilities. And I think that's an exciting potential for SWIFT. Do you think like in the future, we may have more of a chance to hire more of these folks because the need is so great? There's so many more, you know, we're continuing to see more and more wildfires, is that need going to maybe catch up with the fact that it doesn't really matter where they come from, you know, prison or not, they're trained and we need them right now? Yes. And I think that your your term in the future implies that it's sometime, you know, in the future, right? The, the, prob- the problem we're facing is now. Uh, mm. we, we literally do not have time to talk about in the future. We have to bring up the mitigation programs and stuff like that to reduce the, the chances of wildfire, particularly in the interface area where we've got homes and that in the, in, the, in the woods. So this is an immediate problem. So for someone who maybe is skeptical of a program like this or, or doesn't feel the same way about supporting formerly incarcerated people, what do you wish people knew about the SWIFT program that maybe isn't apparent on the surface? It's not so much about the SWIFT program as it is about our society's willingness to give people who have made a mistake the opportunity to get their lives back together again. The one SWIFT guy that came to our conference and spoke, I I asked him to come. Right after he got out, he was released from his sentence. He, He was in the SWIFT program. He completed it. So now he's on probation. And he came and talked about what his story was and why he wanted to be a firefighter. And it worked out that he got, was hired and has subsequently actually changed jobs about three or four times, increasing responsibility and increasing his pay each time he did it. So this is a highly motivated guy. And then about three years after he came the first time and basically said, this is who I am. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a former inmate. This was my crime. You know, it was a nonviolent crime, you know, and said, why can't I get a job? 
So about three years later, he came back and, to, and talked about the value of second chances. You know, sometimes it just takes someone saying, this is exactly how this directly impacted my life. Yeah, and I think, I think like all things abstract, right? You have to connect them with a personal story. And once somebody understands the personal impact, that's when they begin opening your mind up to maybe there's other people with similar stories. Here's a group of people who are trained to do their job. We need the job done. And we're telling them, no, you can't do your job once you get out of prison. Uh, When I'm looking at somebody who basically sort of says, it's a good job. They got good hours. They got reasonable pay. I think I'm going to apply for it. And, you know, I, I like being a firefighter as opposed to I've had trouble in my life. The SWIFT team has helped me get my head back together again. I like what I'm doing. I've, I've overcome the trouble. I paid my price. I've learned an occupation. And now you're telling me I can't do anything. And I want to do it. Now you're telling me I can't do it. And that's, that's just about as bad as it can get. We're training you to do something you have no opportunity to do and you get out. You know, I'd rather work in the wood shop, if you will, at the mm-hmm. prison building furniture because I could build furniture when I get out if somebody will hire me, but you're going to train me to do a job that I have, you already know I can't do when I get out of prison. So yes, it's good while I'm in prison and it's helpful to the, you know, to the state and those kind of, you know, that kind of thing, but there's no future here. So what do you think drives folks to want to do it anyway? I mean, if, if this seems to be, it seems to be clear that there may not be a job for you after you do this real, like you're saying, this is really, really tough work, physical demanding work. What do you think drives um, incarcerated folks to want to be firefighters? Well, one, it's an option, right? It's an Mm -hmm. option outside the prison. That's, that's, that's a big one. The other one is it's your drive. It's what you want to do inside you, right? If you want to be physical, if you want to go out and do stuff, I mean, there's sort of multiple kinds of people, right? Ones who'd rather sit in front of a computer or, or, you know, whatever. And there's ones who want to be outside. So you've got that. And I think that irrespective, and here's where we don't have data again, irrespective of whether there's a minimal number that have been hired so far, less than 10, as we've talked about, there's a lot of graduates. It'd be nice to know what the recidivism is of those other graduates, because I think irrespective of get becoming a firefighter after you leave SWIFT, it prepares you mentally and physically to do something, any other job you want to do. Gary, thank you so much for talking with me today. Well, Bree, thank you very much. This is a really, really important thing. And here's what else is going on in Denver today. The Casa Bonita saga continues. Last week, South Park creators Trey Parker and Matt Stone sat down for an interview with Governor Polis and revealed that they have reached an agreement to buy the restaurant. Yeah. Congratulations! Oh my gosh, congratulations. <laughs> That's awesome. It's such a great day. We'll continue to monitor the situation closely. And if any listeners have an in with the South Park dudes and want to convince them to come on this show and talk to us, 
we would be eternally grateful. And then the, the other thing, you know, now that we know this, like um, we all love Casa Bonita, the one area that we lo all love to see an upgrade, I think I speak on behalf of everybody who patronizes Casa Bonita, is the food could be a little better. You've probably heard yeah. that. I so. think it could be a little more than a little yeah. better. A little, here you go. <laughs> you know it's bad when I, when I took my daughter when she was four and she was like, oh. Like yeah. if the new census numbers are in and they told us a few things we've known all along about Denver. It's growing and changing. Denverite reported on the shifting demographics in relationship to gentrification. The proportion of Denver residents who identify as Hispanic, Latino, or only Black has declined since the last census in 2010. Historic neighborhoods of color like Park Hill, Five Points, and Highland in Denver's north side have all seen a decrease in these populations as well, as wider, wealthier residents are moving in. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. Was that rude? <laughs> I felt a little rude. Maybe I should be nicer.